0: The record company told us if we didn't have a hit, they were going to drop us. <laughs> so that's motivating. And you know, at that point, we just said, you know what? We're trying to be something. Let's just be. Let's just write. And whatever comes out, comes out. And then that got you total four. And so he invited me out for dinner. And, and then when I was there, Bob Dylan showed up. And I'm going, oh, wow. <laughs> OK, so I'm sitting between Bob Dylan and George Harrison at the dinner table going, like, if my high school friends could see me now, you know? <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 34 of
1: Vintage Rock Pod, the ultimate twice-weekly classic rock podcast that proudly claims that my music is better than yours. I'm Paul Stevenson, thanks as always for hitting play. Now, on this week's episode, I've got a great chat with Toto, guitarist and legend. Steve Lukather, the man is incredible, as well as being an ever-present in TOTO, who have won just the six Grammy Awards, I believe, and sold in excess of 40 million records, he's also worked with pretty much every big name in the business over his 45-year career, too. Toto have a new release out now with a little help from my friends, which is a live record available on Funky Vinyl, and there's a a DVD Blu-ray version as well with documentary on there, so definitely worth checking out. Now, this interview turned into more of a friendly chat, really. In fact, he answered pretty much every question before I could even finish asking it, and we chat about some of those incredible names as well that he's worked with, like Three of the Beatles, Bob Dylan, Eddie Van Halen, Michael Jackson, Lionel Richie. And that's just to name a few so with no further delay here's my chat with steve lukather better known as luke from toto i'm delighted to welcome to vintage rock pod a man who is as silky on the guitar as anybody you're going to hear and a man who's worked on an incredible amount of records too a pretty much a who's who it's quicker for me to name people he's not worked with to be honest with you welcome to vintage rock pod steve lukather luke from toto how's it going bud oh hi my man oh good my man thank you for joining us um yeah, we had a quick chat there before we started recording. It's it's a bit of a crazy world we're living in right now. But uh, you've been a busy boy. You've you've recorded a, a new live track, a new live album, sorry, with with Toto. And uh, you had a, a solo album as well. So it has been a busy time for you, despite everything. That's-
0: yeah, well, the record came out earlier this year. Yeah, it's done. it did really well. I mean, it's still doing well. And Joseph Williams also had a record up the same day. So that was kind of, we plotted to put that together because we were going to tour together anyway. And since David Page worked on both records and played on every track of my record, and uh he just said, Come on, man, use the name. We we just, you know, went through this lawsuit and got our percentage. I mean, you might as well go out and use it. And our then the promoters and our agent and everybody said, use the name, man. I mean, Toto's had 15 incarnations anyway. Now, there's always going to be somebody, oh, it's not Toto. It says, Well, you can arguably say it's not been Toto since Jeff passed away. And then we lost Mike and then Dave can't tour because medically he just can't, you know, he's got issues, you know, you can't do the every night, but he's still a leader. And, you know, we talk every day. And Dave and I look after the business and stuff, you know, we still have to do that no matter what happens. So I'm, you know, we want to go out and work, man. And, you know, it's been really encouraging. Like we put a Amsterdam on sale, you know, which is like, you know, 15 months away and it's sold out in a week, 17,000 tickets. So I figured, wow, that's like a personal best, and we still got legs to do this. I mean, I'm the reason why we did the new DVD was to experiment and see if we could put together a band in 10 days and see what it sounds like, because we needed to do that because, because of the lawsuit, we had to financially restructure yep. the whole band in order for me and Joe to make a dime. You know what I mean? Because it's really expensive to tour.
1: <laughs> it is indeed. And just talking about that live record there, I mean, you talk about the sound and everything. It's funky as heck, man. It's brilliant.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we've always had that element of R and B. And even in our rock music, the way we play eighth notes is different than say, like a metal guy, you know. Yeah. He plays real we'll straight. We have a little swing to our eighth notes, you know. Some guys play straight, some guys play a little dotted eighth thing, you know, and it just kind of works together. And that's what makes rock and roll anyway.
1: So, how do you guys come up with a set list for something like that then? Because, like we said, you've got a 40 year back catalogue.
0: Well, I mean, like we've thinking about the set. For next year, I mean, when we put together this DVD, we wanted specifically to see what the old music sounded like and to show off the new band so people could get see what we're doing hear what we're doing and go, OK, you know, this is good, you know, and I well, we feel good about it. I mean, it's not what it you know, it's not total 78. It's not Toto 83. It's not Toto 1992. It's not Toto 2019. I mean, there's been all these incarnations, of all these different musicians that have come in and out of the band. Yeah. So really, the music is total, more than one guy. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Now, speaking of total, I mean, you guys, like you said, you put it all together in 76. You're all friends from school and everything like that. I mean, as kids, did you ever think you were going to achieve what you went on to achieve?
0: Um... Well, you have the dream, but you never really know how it's going to go. You know, I mean, I've been really lucky in the sense that I've had a couple of different careers and all this as a studio musician Mm -hmm. and uh, in total and as a solo artist. And, you know, that keeps me real busy. You know, I used to produce records sometimes, but, you know, there's no money in doing that. Actually, records have a shelf life of about a month now. Yeah,
1: it's all changed.
0: Because there's so much stuff coming out. You hit it hard and then it, it gets a little legs and then you just got to look at the overall long period of time, how the catalog sells over time. You know what I mean? We got to be on the road to keep all this uh, going. You know what I mean? So I'm looking forward to that. I really miss playing live. I've been playing live since I was nine years old. So to take that away from me is really strange more than money and stuff. You know, this is just who I am. I miss the connection of standing there playing and seeing an audience and playing off of all that. I mean, that's, Greatest high there is. Yeah.
1: And you speak about playing live and everything. I mean, when you talk about Toto in the early days and the first record that came out and Hold the Line was such a smash hit, and you're playing that in front of crowds and you're getting the reception and you're seeing how it all blew up for you. I mean, that must have been phenomenal.
0: It was a thrill. It was a thrill. I mean, you're, you know, your first hit record as an artist is something you never forget. Hearing it on the radio the first time, yeah. you know, seeing the success and, you know, multi platinum success and all that. We were like, wow it was the dream coming true you know what i mean and then then the worst thing about that is then you have to follow it up <laughs>
2: you know what i mean
0: it's like okay this was really great but we were so i mean we were young and cocky you know we're like wow we're gonna do this we're gonna do this blah 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 we're not listening to anybody you know and then we kind of we f- trying to find ourselves and we reconnected to what we really were and what we really are on total four you know what i mean we were experimenting trying to find Because when we started out as a band, we were in high school and stuff like that. But when we started as Toto per se, we made the record before we ever played live. Wow. So I mean we played live together with Boz and together in school for you know a long many years. And we just walked in and you know, Dave sat down at the piano and goes, I got this song here. Let's play this. And then we just (laughs) it was like, Okay, we're in, you know, and next thing you know, we're making a record.
1: That's incredible. So I, was
0: it? Just, I was just thrilled to be there. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that's almost backwards from what everybody else does. Everyone else kind of clips yes. their teeth live in front of an audience, finds out what works, what doesn't work, change a bit of the song here or there or whatever. But you guys have done it backwards.
0: Well, the thing was, I mean, we were coming off, I, I should say Dave and Jeff were coming off this success of Boss Gag Silk Degrees. And we did the tour out hus- of high school, pretty much, you know, maybe give or take a year. Um, and from there, We started doing demos. The first demos we did with Toto was January 77. And by October 77, post the Boss Gag summer tour that we did, uh, Sony just said, we hear, uh, they went to Dave and Jeff and said, we hear you guys got a band. We want you. Just don't look anywhere else. Well, you know, we'll, we'll make a deal. And so we made a great deal. And the next thing you know, we're, you know, that's how it happened. So it wasn't like we were playing in the clubs and got discovered. We were doing all that in school. So we paid our dues doing that, doing weddings and all this kind of crappy gigs that you would do with a young musician uh, to get our c legs. We were studying hard so we could get into maybe possibly being studio players. Because Jeff was in Steely Dan when we were in high school. And David Page was working on those records as well. He played on Steely stuff. And they were the two young, hot guys in L.A. And so I got to meet all the other studio musicians that I looked up on, you know, all the guitar players, you know, Lee Rittenauer, Larry Carlton, Jay Graydon, Ray Parker Jr., um, uh, Dean Parks, I, the list goes on, you know what I mean? And my buddy Mike Landau came up with me. You know, we've known each other since we were 12, you know, so, I mean, and we're still close buddies, you know, we, we see each I saw him for his birthday last week, so, you know. We tendency is just the guys we came up with all kind of made it, you know, even whether they were in the band or not. You know, John Pierce, who's in Toto now and was with Huey Lewis for 30 years, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was my first friend in life. I mean, our moms were pregnant on the same block, and he, <laughs> we played together all through school. And then in high school, we met the Picaro brothers, and he was in the band Still Life with uh, Landau, me, and Carlos Vega, Steve Picaro. Um, that was the rhythm section of Carlos Vega. And Jeff and David, Jeff McCall and David Fisher, come down and play at our high school gigs with us. So I mean, you know, it was a thrilling time because so you see your, you see the potential of your future, and you really have a goal. That's what it was. I mean, I was geographically placed well and got lucky to get in the door, but it's not luck to get called back. You know, you're lucky to get in the door and get the shot, but if they call you back, then it's based upon your talent Absolutely. and your vibe. So. I was lucky to have some great mentors in all that, how to handle my Jeff was great in teaching me how to handle myself on sessions and how it all goes. And, you know.
1: Incredible stuff. And you talked about Toto 4 just a little bit earlier. And, I mean, that was just incredible. Grammy, multi-platinum, everything. It was just phenomenal success for, for that record.
0: Yeah, it went crazy, man. But here's the irony of that. I mean, the record company told us if we didn't have a hit, they were going to drop us. <laughs> so that's motivating. <laughs> and you know at that point we just said you know what we're trying to be something let's just be let's just write and whatever comes out comes out and then that got you total four and at that point i think we had been playing together as a band and we had toured and we had found ourselves And at that point all the dots connected and we came up with this record man that i'm you know we're still very proud of that record but it was definitely a sink or swim record
1: absolutely and it was kind of brown, groundbreaking as well in terms of the tracks that are on there and the, the, the reaction it got from people and not just from punters but from musicians themselves i remember speaking to john parr who said he listened to that and thought he's never going to be able to write a song again listening to, to how good you guys were <laughs> and how could he ever compete with things like that
0: that's not true man i mean i, I mean everybody has their own thing man you know i mean I'm not a musical snob. I mean, I love all kinds of music and I can listen to it. Different music right after each other and not be weirded out by it. You know, from classical to hard funk, to jazz, to, you know, old school bebop, to country music, to, you know, to hard metal, old classic rock. You know, I'm still a big Beatles fan. You know what I mean? Of course, of
1: course. And um, just staying with Total 4 just for a few minutes. I mean, The resurgence of Africa. I mean, that kind of a song that was buried (laughs) at the end of the the album and it just grew legs and arms and everything else, didn't it? And especially in the last few years where it's garnered a whole new audience for you.
0: You couldn't, we couldn't. First off, that's the weirdest song we've ever recorded. (laughs) I mean, if somebody was going to say, play me something that is a perfect example of Toto, I would point them to Rosanna as opposed to Africa. Africa was like sort of a fun production experiment it was like the first time we hooked up four 24 track tape machines in in sync which was not wow. done in 1981 you know what i mean and you know they we, we filled up all these tracks i mean it was a real it was a lot of fun to do but then we heard you know we made the whole track before we heard the lyrics <laughs> and then you know we kind of cracked up at that and it's you know we dug the the record but you know the lyrics are a bit silly come on we know that you know but it was like okay this is this is a cool record but you know okay anybody that can put serengeti and all this stuff in a lyric you know what i mean yeah. Dave, yep. dave, dave, dave and jeff really stretched the possibilities there but we kind of like tongue-in-cheek and we're like well this is a cool record i mean you know it is it's a weird little quirky record I and mean, we never knew it was going to have legs like this i mean we recorded it in 1981 and now all of a sudden it, it went in through this metamorphosis and yes, it did really help us. It gave us a big kick in the ass and brought us a younger audience that Weezer record, you know, that, that was a hit. And, and that brought us another, some more different people. And we, you know, we even did festivals in Australia where there was like all 18 year old kids and most people were just play, <laughs> dancing around with their pro tools, you know, they weren't even really playing. And we thought, Oh my God, these guys are going to hate us, man. We're a bunch of, old older musicians that ain't the prettiest motherfuckers in the world so we and we play you know I mean, I don't know if that's gonna get it they'll know one song i was going oh god what are we gonna do and we went out and play and we killed it and it was like they'd never really seen live music it was such so well, obviously different than the just playing the record and dancing around you know what i mean like a lot of people yeah. it's all the production the dancing all this stuff and they get a band real cheap because they're just faking it to the Pro Tools anyway, you know, and people don't seem to mind that. And that's fine if that's what you want. But I came up thinking you actually had to really play to make it in the music business.
1: Yeah, indeed you did. Um, and just you mentioned again, the Beatles, that's a good place to talk. A lot of people I speak to, they all point to, to one thing that started them in their musical life, and it was the Beatles. And I know it's the same for you as well. And, yep. and you've been so, so lucky to have performed with, recorded with, worked with three of the beatles i mean wow yeah
0: well there's only two remaining beatles now sadly george passed and he was my first guitar hero and a, and a friend i'm honored to say and you know i got to work with paul on the thriller record with michael jackson then we worked in the movie and then we did the i got to do the beatles 50th anniversary show and uh, you know so i mean that that's the on switch to my life and the ringo and i have become Close friends over the last nine years, you know. Matter of fact, me and Joseph just worked on wrote a song for his new new EP that's coming out in October, and uh, he wants to tour next year. I mean, this is a guy's going to be eighty one years old next month. You know what I mean? And he runs for forty five minutes on a treadmill, and he you know he eats yeah he's just he's gonna live to be uh, 200 years old (laughs) he's an amazing man i'm honored to call him my friend really i really am phenomenal
1: stuff and just i don't know if you if if you'd mind um indulging us with a story because i heard you tell it once and it was um a jam with yourself at jeff lynn's house with bob dylan and george and it's like how on earth did that come about jim keltner yeah
0: yeah Yeah, that was i didn't see that coming you know george and i you know became friends in 1992 when i met him and he came and played at the jeff Picaro tribute which was like more than amazing i didn't you know how do you do and then he started calling me and we were hanging out (laughs) whenever we'd come to la we'd hang out and have dinner and so he invited me out for dinner and and then when i was there bob dylan showed up and i'm going oh wow okay (laughs) i'm sitting between bob dylan and george harrison at the dinner table going like if my high school friends could see me now you know (laughs) uh and then we and then george goes let's go up to jeff's and have a jam you know And I'm like, are you kidding? Yeah, let's do this. And we did. We were just up there messing around. It was me and George on guitar, Dylan on bass, Keltner on an electric kit, and Jeff Lynn on keyboards. And we were just sitting around jamming on a few Beatle things and, you know, just fucking around. It was just an amazing moment.
1: Like you said if you could have told your 18 year old self that <laughs> at that stage you'd be sitting with legends like that it'd be
0: oh, oh man i never thought like i mean one. all the people that i've had a chance to work with and you know the legends that i've been honored to work with i mean i find myself in a room looking around going wow <laughs> i mean not so much now but when i was young you know what i mean now i know everybody and it's not yeah. so weird i've been doing this for almost 45 years as a real recording and touring musician i mean i obviously years before that studying and playing every gig that i could get my hands on yeah
1: and you mentioned that michael jackson and paul mccartney and everything like that and you worked on thriller and you put down tracks and stuff for thriller and beat it obviously the big story behind that beat it i think you told the story that almost that was recorded backwards as well wasn't it
0: yeah well it was recorded because there was another version of it before eddie did the solo And somebody cut the two-inch tape which screwed up the SIMT code, which locks all the tapes up again. So Quincy asked me and Jeff to put the record back together again because they needed to keep those tracks first generation. Because that was a, you know, that was a you had to think about that back then. And uh, so Jeff, there was no click track or nothing. Jeff had to go out and make his own click based on the the bleed through of Michael's lead vocal in the headphone wow. that was recorded while he was doing the vocal and Michael hitting two and four, like One, on a, on a drum case. And so Jeff went out and made his own click with drumsticks. Then he played the drums to that and he locked it up by the second take he nailed. It. And so then I started putting all the guitars on it. I played the bass on it. And I, at first I made since I knew Eddie was playing on it. And Quincy was at the Westlake Audio, and we were at Sunset Sound. He wasn't even there. We were on the phone going, "Bobby, well, here's what's going on. And we made the whole record, but I quadrupled the, the... I made a big Marshalls and everything like that. And Quincy's like, I love it, but it's too much. I got to get this on R&B radio. I can't do it with these, you know, it's too big. Use one of your little fender amps and turn down the distortion a little bit. You know what I mean? So I had to redo that. And then I went over and worked with michael and quincy on the rest of it you know and came up with some of the other ideas uh, to help them with the rest of the parts because i played all the guitars and the bass and jeff played drums and that's and michael sang and eddie played the solo so a lot of people think eddie played all the riffs and everything like that but he didn't yeah
1: Wow. And then obviously the, the girl is mine with, with Paul McCartney and everything you worked with. Him that was the and...
0: first thing. That was the first thing we cut for thrill.
1: That was the first one, was it? Really?
0: Yeah. And, and believe me, that was a thrill when Jeff and I got that call. We were like, oh, wow, McCartney. Finally get to meet a Beatle, man. We were really expecting McCartney. Wow. You know, and so that was a wonderful experience. Him and Linda were so awesome. And then we got invited to do Give My Regards to Broad Street. But they didn't tell us we had to wear makeup and wigs until we got there, you know. <laughs> But uh, you know, it was that was an incredible experience just for the hang for two weeks with Paul, Linda, George Martin, Jeff Emmerich, their engineer, and I got to sit in every lunch day, sit around and talk about. It. So how did you get the sound on this? And what did you do? How did you record that? Like, blah, blah blah. Man, I love this. What was the thought here And I and they all love to talk about it. So it was really just like a dream come true.
1: Wow. geek out time. Absolutely. I'm still a
0: fan, man. I'm still a fan. Of music and musicians. I mean. Even though I've been doing this a long time, I got to work with so many incredible legends and stuff like that, really famous people yeah. and stuff. I mean, I don't get starstruck per se anymore, but I do get like humbled and wow, I can't. I, you know, I'm respecting that I've got invited into this room with these guys. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It doesn't get old, and I'm I don't think I'm all that I'm still like really humble and I can't even believe I'm here most of the time, you know.
1: <laughs> incredible to be. Um, and then I- with a band like Toto who sold I don't know 40 million records or something like that but you guys were all such fantastic well, virtuosos when it comes to your instruments I mean you guys were still working on it man you
0: know in some number well... West you know
1: No, I don't give us that. You were technically proficient. You're really good in in terms of being asked back to be session musicians. I mean, some people in bands probably saw themselves as being too big for session musicians, but the the opportunities you got to work with these incredible superstars across different genres of music as
0: well. Well, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. People don't even really understand what studio musicians making records are. I mean, if you're doing TV film, you're just reading the dots, you know. I mean, you're reading the music and yeah, and that's a special skill to be able to walk in and coldly sight read completely written out music that's really like wow you know you gotta have chops for that i mean i can read music but damn you know um <laughs> we got handed chord charts you know that's it yeah we came up and wrote our all of our own parts on the spot many times in one or two takes you had to go well, what am i going to play when i see a g seventh chord or something you know you can't just go ding ding ding, ding kind of chord. you gotta come listen to what everybody's trying to sneak in there was no demos there were no rehearsals he just showed up and going what are we doing who are we doing what kind of music are we playing today you know so <laughs> it, it definitely required a skill that a lot of rock stars don't have because i saw i was on sessions with guys that were real famous and really good but they just they froze up having to yeah do you do it like that and it was like wow man you know he's, he's kind of sitting back on okay well some people are meant to just play their music i mean it's a different mindset you have to have an arranger's mind so you have to think about not what the singers you have to listen to the song and what the singer's doing and not and play something to complement that as opposed to hey dig what i can do you know what i mean
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and then um, there's times when like you said, the first or second take is used, and that happened yeah. famously, didn't it, with Lionel Richie one time when you went in and you were just noodling. And I was just noodling around
0: it. going, yeah, play the track for me, man. You know, I, was, I got a sound, and I go, well, play the sound. You know, let, me, let me play it. I'm just going to mess around and see how it goes. So I just instinctually listened to the track and played it, and I go, okay, man, I'm ready to do one now. And he said, no, nah, you're done. Get out of here. And I'm like, <laughs> Lionel, are you serious? And I go, yes. he said, here you go. I played all over this thing way too much. He goes, I love it. So when people go, well, yeah, man, Luka, they played a lot on there. Like, I thought I was I just thought I was warming up, you know.
1: <laughs> Brilliant, but there you go. It lasts. It's the last step, the test of time. Sorry, and um, yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, it clearly has. Clearly has. I mean, I, I, I don't.
0: I, you know, it just cracks me up when I'm in, in the mall with my kids or something like that, and it comes on over the mall. I'm going, man, wow, man, you know, long time ago, but it was a lot of fun. I'm you know, I've always dug Lyle. He's a good dude. Yeah.
1: A long time ago, and a lot of fun, and a lot of that is in in your books as well. I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. I I mean, I couldn't write about all of it, but you know, the 400 pages hit the ground. You know, I mean, it was too long and too much. And some of it, I was like, "Eh, I don't want to tell that story. That's too much. There's a lot of things I just couldn't tell. You know what I mean?
1: Yes, absolutely. Gospel According to Luke is uh, is out there and well worth a read. Absolutely. Um, and then just touch on your, your new record that, that, came, that came out when you did not too long. Ago. I Found
0: the Sun Again. Yes, that's my new solo record. That's
1: the one. Yeah. And you had um, Ringo work on one of the tracks with you on that as well, didn't you?
0: Yeah, man. Well, we wrote that song for Ringo's 80th birthday. Me, Page, David Page and Joseph Williams. And I got him to play on it. He loved he liked the tune. I said it came out so good. I go, can I put this out? You know, and he goes, yeah, 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 please do. And so we put it out in the summertime as a kind of a feel-good song because everything was so dark and weird. And and also the song is nothing like the rest of my record. Yeah. This is a real homage to the Beatles and that whole thing. you know? And we'll nod to Tom Petty and ELO in there too, you know, because that's the music I love and touches me, you know. And uh, it was also because it's Ringo. <laughs> you wrote him something a little Beatle-y kind of a song, you know. What, what you know. And that was a lot of fun for him to do that. But the rest of the record I did in like eight days, seven, seven, eight days, eight days. Uh, We just do a song a day and kept all the live solos, everything. I didn't want to, and again, no rehearsals, no, you know, no, no demos. Just here's the, here's some, the music, which is just a roadmap with chords and a few rhythmic notations. And so, so the whole record was take two. We ran it once and everybody just connected great band, David Page, jeff babco on keyboards i had uh, greg bissonette on drums uh Jorgen carlson from government mule on bass from most of the record and john pierce on a couple songs and i had um and myself and who Who i forget i think that was it joseph Sam, and, yeah. and joseph williams helped me with the background vocals and help you know he was just hanging around he helped me produce my lead vocals because i do this we get the track do a few small, like I double or guitar riff or something like that, and then or add an acoustic. And then we'd do the vocals at night, and it was done. Next song. And then we mixed it afterwards, and that's the record. I wanted to see if I could still do it and keep the stuff and not computer fix it and computer line it all up and everything. I was just, I want things to you know, speed up and slow down and Wrong. breathe, if you will. So we weren't thinking about, oh, I gotta stay with the click and all this stuff, you know, because that just becomes you have to you get into that mentality instead of like, let me just let it flow and see what happens. And nobody really knew it too well. So a lot of times when you put guys like that in a room, the, the, of that level of musicianship, the best stuff comes in the first two takes. You're not thinking you're trying stuff. And when, you know, musicians of that caliber try stuff, it usually works because they have the mindset of, okay, that's the melody, that's this, and I know how to do this. You know, And I picked the three cover songs first before i did wrote anything because i wanted to make a record with 1971-72 thought process and recording wise we got to play this stuff live and then overdub the vocals you know what i mean and so that's what i really wanted to at least that was the hope that i had and, it, and because the guys were so great and we picked and wrote the right songs it just happened
1: and it sounds so like i was it, thrilled it's, like, going, like, it's gonna say it sounds like you had a great time recording this because you've just come alive when you're speaking about it all
0: yeah well, at the end of eight days, I had records. I'm going right. You know, I've been. You know, I used to make six, nine months on a record. I'm like, oh, let's go back in time and do it the other way. You know? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And um, just talking about what's coming up ahead. Then, obviously, things are starting to ease slowly. And you've talked about yeah. getting back out on the road. What's the plans for, for Luke then?
0: Well, I'm. I've got a. I've got this uh, fusion band that I play with, the East Coast Fusion Band, called Toxic Monkey, with Keith Carlock from Steely Dan, Bill Evans he used to play sax with Miles Davis. Will Lee from uh, Letterman, and session musician genius, and uh, myself and Steve Weingart, uh, legendary keyboard player, you know. So you know we have you know I'm going to go out and play a few gigs in December, and then I'm going to come back to L.A. and do my L.A. Jam Band for Christmas, uh, an annual thing we we used to do with the baked Potato. I'm hoping we can do that, and it opens up, we can do it. And then next year, Toto starts the new Toto starts in uh, March in the United States. And then that's out for a month. And then I, we take a little break and I go out with Ringo for a minute. And then I come back and do the summer in Europe with Toto. And then the fall will either be more Toto, more Ringo, or you know, and then Toto until we drop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I want to make back, you know, the losses of the, you know, sitting at home for two years. And also, you know, just kind of stockpile a bunch of money. I'm not getting any younger, you know. You know, I'm going to be 64 this year. That's terrifying.
1: No way. No way. Yeah. Go. Toto, till we drop, that should be your, your next album title as well. That's a fun title. Or well, maybe the name of the song.
0: I don't know, man. You know, I am just. I don't know how to do anything else. I mean, people go, well, you know, it's not Toto. And so, like, well, what am I supposed to do with myself, man? You know, I put almost four, 45 years into this. Longer if you count high school. And something keeps bringing us back. I mean, you know, I miss the, uh, Jeff and Mike more than anything, you know. But us not playing is going to bring them back. No. And, you know, we've, we've made this career. It's hard to have a career. I mean, there's a lot of bands our age that have different players. Yeah,
1: yeah, it. very true. And there's still all the fans out there that want the music too. Look at,
0: look at, I mean, look at Journey. I mean, you know, my buddy Neil, man, you know, these guys, you know, they got a new, they got Randy Jackson and Narda Michael Island, find out. Now, these are incredible musicians, but people are going to say, oh, it's not Journey. It's, only, it's, well, it's the same thing, man. The guys, we're just trying to play. I want to play my music. You know, there's tribute bands. Why shouldn't we do? I built, you know, I can't, I can't help people feeling the way they do, but most 99% has been really positive. The 1% is a bit harsh, but hey, you know, welcome to the internet, you know? It's always a 1%, isn't (laughs) there? Oh, I don't care anymore. I don't read it. I just, you know, if I do, I just laugh. I go, wow, man, somebody's really needs to get a life. But Whatever
1: well it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you luke and um, thank you very much for coming on you, um, the new toto record with the, the the documentary which is coming out on dvd and blu-ray the, the yeah and that toto.
0: explains a lot of why we're doing this in, interviews with me david joseph david page joseph williams and all the new guys and you know you get a much better idea of what's happening if
1: you see that absolutely it's out very very soon indeed thank you very much for joining us luke
0: thanks a lot buddy i'll see you next time
1: honestly, what a career that man has had and what a gentleman too, such a nice down-to-earth guy. Now, if this is the first time you've listened to Vintage Rock Pod then please do go and check out some of the other big interviews from throughout the series. There's some seriously big names that have been interviewed along there, including seven Hall of Famers and they're all rockers from big bands in the 60s, 70s and 80s a real mix too. We've got mods like The Faces, Punks from The Damned and The Buzzcocks, Prog Rockers from Genesis, Yes, Focus uh, Steve Harley, Cockney Rebel, I've got hair metal with Scorpions, Rats, Europe and Dokken. Hard rock from Rainbow and Magnum and Lee Aaron. Radio rock from Dire Straits, Credence, Clearwater Revival, Greg Kinn, and so many more as well. Please go back and check them all out. But back to today's show then. And we've hit the point where I give you my song recommendations. My favourite five songs from the band of the guest on today's show. So I'm excited to bring you these. My favourite five songs from the band Toto according to Vintage Rock Pod. At five is a track from the album The Seventh One from 1988. It's a funky jam throughout that I've always loved, with so many different musical influences embedded within. And number five is Mushanga. At number four is a big slab of Toto 80s rock. It's track two on their 1986 album Fahrenheit and features Joseph Williams' soaring vocals in the chorus. At number four is We Can Make It Tonight. My number three starts with such a groovy drum intro and never lets up. It's the ultimate Toto song according to Steve Lukather. It's made up of a little different sections and swaps lead vocals between Luke and Bobby Kimball as well. Meet you all the way At number three is Rosanna. And number two is the big one from their debut album, their debut single in fact, It Rocks Hard, one of the heavier tracks, and became a huge hit for them around the world shooting the band to fame. Another big chorus you can't help but sing along to. And number two, is hold the line and at number one i know i know i know i know what you're thinking but i don't care my number one may have been a bit of an experiment a novelty play around with recording techniques and sounds and obscure lyrics but it has taken on a new life in recent years it is brilliant who hasn't tried to hit the high notes in the chorus when singing along the number one toto song according to vintage rock pod is the classic closing track on toto 4 it is africa There you go, my favourite five songs from Toto. And quickly on the theme of Africa. If you look on Spotify, that song has been played over a billion times. It's incredible. And while researching, I found a group on Facebook called I Love Toto Africa, which is basically a page full of memes for the song. It's brilliant. Check it out. It's called I Love Toto Africa. Anyway, as ever, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this list. Where do you agree or disagree? Drop me an email, vintagerockpod at gmail.com. Or you can message me on the socials. Just search for Vintage Rock Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And give us a like or a follow on those sites as well. Thanks to everyone who got in touch after last week's top five. It was Foreigner Songs. Uh, Judy Hoffman pretty much agreeing with the five I selected. Gary Godley said Hard Knocker had to be in there. Jeff Ash went with a completely different five songs which is pretty impressive, his list being Blue Morning, Blue Day, Dirty White Boy, Cold as Ice, Feels Like the First Time and Head Games. While Vincent Gallo was in touch to say he was fairly in agreement as well, but he'd switch out Double Vision for Say You Will. I love hearing your thoughts on these lists. Please do keep sending them in, as I said, on all the usual platforms. Give us a follow and a like on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube as well. A quick heads up then for next week's guest. I've got another Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. He played Woodstock and Rolling Stone ranked him in the top 100 guitarists of all time as well so do not miss it well that's it for this week's main show though until next episode then remember if you come across anyone who isn't a fan of rock just tell them my music is better than yours take care